great. I was talking to uh, one of the people who were baptized last week, was just chatting with him out in the atrium, and he said, I had a week of victory this week. And uh, I just love it. I just love it. Very exciting. Okay, happy Thanksgiving. So let's do the annual Moncton Westland pie vote. Are you ready? Are you ready? You can, only, you can only vote for one, okay? Some of the men will vote for every pie, but just pie in general. All right, but you only get to vote for one, okay? Here we go. Pumpkin pie. It's the winner. It's the winner. Costco pumpkin pie. I, man. Oh, baby. Those things are dangerous. I tell Gayla, like, like we're, we're being good stewards of it because it's not spoiling. We're eating it before it can go bad. <laughs> Apple pie? Oh. Blueberry? Yeah, phew. We have blueberry farmers. It's probably them in our church. We really do. We have blueberry farmers. It's probably, yes, more blueberries. Uh, coconut cream? Here's my close second, butterscotch. Oh, you only get to vote for one. Lemon? What, what did I miss? Strawberry? Well, see, strawberry and rhubarb, they never thought they were going to be a couple, right? I know some couples who are like strawberry and rhubarb, and I'm not going to say which one's which. <laughs> Just a little tart. Okay. Just saying. Just saying. I know some people who are like strawberry rhubarb pies and crusty on the edges. Okay, okay, okay. You, it's your fault. I wasn't going to mention strawberry rhubarb. What else did I miss? Pecan, yeah. Cherry, cherry? People eat cherry pie? Really? Minced meat is not pie. Mincemeat is not pie. All right, that's just wrong. Okay, um, quick, now that I have everybody in an uproar, <laughs> quick word on the membership changes here um, to membership changes, not just at Moncton Wesley, and this is across the denomination. Uh, just a quick word of this. Many of you members have already filled out your renewal. Good job. You all get gold stars. Way to go. Uh, we had about 50 new people out to our membership class, which is really, really cool. And many of them uh, signed up uh, a membership uh, form, said, yep, I'd love to be a member of this church. And we will be receiving those folks into membership soon. And we're going to have another membership class coming up here in another month or so. And so uh, we're excited about that. But we have a Moncton Wesleyan membership uh, Q&A that our executive pastor, Dale Betts, has put together. Details on the membership changes at Moncton Wesleyan. This is available at the information desk uh, today. So you can get one of those or you can come up after the service and get that one right there. And uh, so this is new territory for all of us. And we appreciate you working with us on this. If you have any questions, that should probably be helpful. If you haven't yet done the renewal, you can do it online at our, on our mw.church site. Or you can get the, app, the form out at the information desk and fill it out there as well. So we just finished here at Bunkton Weston what I believe was one of the best 
uh, series that we've ever done as a church, the Connected series, it really generated some forward traction, some good momentum in a lot of ways for us as a church. And as has already been said, we're launching a new series today called Game Plan. And we're going to talk in this series about where we're going as a church, where God is leading us as a church. And uh, we're going to use Moses and the Exodus. And uh, that's kind of going to be our uh, strategy to follow them and their journey throughout this series. Because Pharaoh had a game plan for Israel to be kept in bondage. But God had a game plan for freedom and new territory. And I choose freedom over bondage. So that's, uh, that's going to be the game plan is to follow that. The game plan idea kind of has a, a football theme to it. You know, it's the X's and the O's and, uh, you know, it kind of ha has that, that feel to it. But the big idea for the whole series that I really need you to capture and focus on, this is the big idea, is that we as a church, us, Monta Weston, me individually, you individually as well, the big idea you need to capture in this series is that we can't stay here. That's the big idea. We cannot, we cannot, we cannot stay here. And the pharaohs of this world would want us to stay here. But we cannot stay here. We have to go there. We have to go where God is leading us, where God is calling us. And this church never, ever in its 127-year history has this church ever been satisfied with where it was. It's never been satisfied. With where it was. We've always been a forward-thinking, uh, forward-moving, new territory-taking kind of church. That's, that's who we are. And frankly, we've been here for far too long, and it's time for us as a church to go there. And I will do my best in this series to uh, make that clear for you, to, 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 to help us see uh, where we are, what is here, and where is there. I'm going to define those things for us. So as I said, we're going to follow Moses in the Exodus. Moses is the author of the book of Exodus, written around 14 or 1500 uh, B.C., before Christ. Be uh, between Egypt, living in Egypt, and the new land that God has given uh, Israel, these new generations are being born, children are being born and being raised. And Moses writes the, about the journey because he doesn't want these new generations to forget. He wants them to know their heritage, their story. He wants them to, to be reminded constantly of, the, of who God is and the miracles of God and that God is faithful. And there are principles and promises in the Exodus that don't change and they apply to our lives today just as much as they did when Moses was, uh, was sharing this with his people. That God is a rescuing God. That God is a bondage-breaking God. That you and I have to choose uh, who are we going to serve. Am I going to serve Pharaoh or am I going to serve God? That freedom from oppression leads to freedom to serve God. The freedom from the things that, 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 that want to hold us back, the freedom from those things leads to a freedom to serve God, to love God, to worship God, to obey and follow God. God wants to free you from something so that you can be free to something far better. He has something better for our lives and for this church. God wants to take you from here to there. 
And in case you're thinking this morning that, that you've been stuck for too long, or in case you've been thinking that, well, I've been praying that prayer for too long and I'm just about done praying about that, I, it's been too long, or that your situation is too far gone, maybe you've been thinking that this morning. Let me remind you that Israel had been mired in a secular, pluralistic, morally bankrupt, spiritually dysfunctional culture for over 400 years. Now that's a funk. If you're stuck for 400 years, that's, that's, that is a funk. And we're going to see that God calls them back to their roots, to the one true God. And God expects them to turn. When, when, he, when he invites them to follow, he expects them to turn. He expects them, uh, he empowers them to turn. He gives them reasons to follow him and they follow. Now we know if you've ever read the book of Exodus, we know that they're, they're not perfect. They're like us. They're, they're far from perfect. We're not perfect. But they, they get there eventually. And I want to say to you this morning, and, and there's likely dozens of people here that need to hear this this morning. I want you to hear this. I want to tell you this morning that God can rescue you from any situation. You are not too far gone. God can, can heal you this morning. He can rescue you. He can change you. He can break those chains. He can set you free. He can heal that. He can fix that. Whatever it is, you are not too far gone. So don't forget that Israel was stuck in a 400-year funk, and God brought them out of that. He can rescue you from Pharaoh. He can pull you out of any pit. He can heal that marriage, if you've got to believe that, that he can heal that marriage, that he can save that teenager or that lost child, that he can drive out fear and anxiety, that he can restore health, that he can provide for your needs. He is the God of miracles. He was then, he still is today, and he can do anything in your life. Now, that's introduction. I haven't started preaching yet. <laughs> we need to learn the same lesson that Pharaoh learned. There is no God like Jehovah. That's the lesson that Pharaoh learned, and we need to learn it. There is no God like Jehovah. All of your little gods are useless. They're powerless. And anything that takes a higher place in your life than Jesus is a God. Anything in your life that has a higher place than Jesus is a God. And it needs to be destroyed. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Every area of your life, every area of your life must declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Okay, now we're ready. Exodus chapter 1. And... Uh, well, let's begin with the first 12 verses, 10, 10 verses. First 10 verses, I get my glasses on here so I can see what I'm doing. These are the names of the sons of Israel, that is Jacob, who moved to Egypt with their father, each with his family. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, uh, we're going to call him Naph. His, his friends called him Nappy, Gad, and Asher. And all Jacob had 70 descendants in Egypt, including Joseph, who was already there. In time, Joseph and all of his brothers died, ending that entire generation. 
But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. Eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. And he said to his people, look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. So Moses begins by telling us that 70 people entered Egypt and tens of thousands. By the end of the book of Exodus, it's, it's tens of thousands of them who leave Egypt. About 70 of them enter. Tens of thousands leave. It's in a, God is faithful. Moses wants us to see this right from the beginning. That God is faithful. God is an, an exponential, multiplying God. That there is, there is potential in the problem that isn't always evident to us. You see, we often, just all, all we see often are, are the problems, right? We don't, we don't naturally see the potential that's in the problem. We just see the, the, the problem. We see impossibility, but God sees victory. God sees abundance. God sees blessing and opportunity. And I'm choosing to believe that where we are right now as a church is not the ceiling. That where we are as a church, Mountain Wesleyan, is, is more like the floor. It's just the beginning. That someday you'll tell your grandchildren that you attended Moncton Wesleyan when it was just a small group of a thousand or so. That you'll be telling them, yeah, like they only, I remember going there when they only had one service, not five or six or whatever. And it only half filled the celebration center. Now in verses 6 through 10, Moses tells us that the people went from, from favor to slavery mainly due to their numerical growth. I don't know if you, if you caught that in the text, but, but Pharaoh's eyes are getting bigger. It's like, these people multiply really, really, really fast. And, and gets nervous about that. And they go from, from favor, uh, living lives as, as, as shepherds mostly, to, to slavery mainly due to their numerical growth because they were growing, okay? And there's something there that I want to I press on here just for a moment. You are no threat to the enemy when you are not growing. It is the, it is the growth of Israel that is, that is threatening Pharaoh. And he's like, no, we got to do something about that. And you are no threat to the enemy when you are not growing. And it's true for us as a church as well. When you are stuck and when you are going backwards, no problem. Devil leaves you alone. A stuck church or a declining church is no threat to the enemy. You're chewing on that like pie. A stuck church or a declining church is no threat. And when we as a church start to push forward, the devil starts to push back. Guaranteed, it happens. It, it, it's real. It, it happens. When we push forward, the enemy pushes back, wanting to snuff us out. And it's time for us to be a threat to the enemy. 
Now, God put a fire in his servant Moses to lead them from, from here to there, from where they were to where God wanted them to be. And I am no Moses. That's okay, because you're no Israel. <laughs> but there are principles in the promises that are true for us today. It is the enemy's plan for this church to never grow again. It is the enemy's plan for this church to never have another baptism, to never reach another person for Jesus Christ. That is the enemy's plan. If you think it's anything different, you're kidding yourself. The enemy's plan is to shut us down and destroy us all. That is the enemy's plan. Satan does not want this church to reach its full redemptive potential. And staying here, gang, where we are, staying here is unacceptable. We have to go there. It's, and it's easy to like here. It's easy for you and for me to sit here and say, well, I, I kind of like it here. You know, like, 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 here's not so bad. Why do I have to go there? And you have to fight that off with everything that's in you. You have to say, he's right. I cannot stay here. I've got to go there. There's, there's more for us. There's more that God wants for me and for this church. And it's easy for us, Moncton Wesleyan, to say, well, well, hey, look around. You know, we're a big church. I mean, look at our facility. We're multi-generational. We're increasingly multicultural. We have great music. We have average preaching. We have a wide variety of programs. Just checking to see if you're paying attention. Man, Pastor Tim, we've got programs and we've got ministries and we've got opportunities and we have a great staff and we pay our bills and we're paying the mortgage. And You know, it's easy to stay here. By the way, just a quick word on, on, on that word mortgage. We have about 12 years left at the current pace. Okay, about 12 years left on on. Mostly this, this baby right here. You're cheering that on. I'm like, 12 years, good night. That's, that's, that's 12 years of, of, anyhow, side note, we don't receive money to, to help pay off our debt from the denomination. The, the opposite, that's a fly. Anybody, anybody got a shotgun? <laughs> Did I mention I'm easily distracted? Um, where was I? Mortgage. We don't, we don't receive money from the denomination to help. We have, we have, we pay. It's the opposite is true. We we support the denomination. We have to. There's there's. We have to pay into the denomination. So the opposite is true. And the rentals that we do here. If anyone thinks, well, the rentals probably pay the mortgage. Not even close. Like the rentals are something that we offer as a connection to our community. That's why we do the rentals so that people can see Moncton Wesleyan as as open and welcome and we want people to come in here and be comfortable with us and, and we wanted to, to provide the facility to make it available to our community but the rentals don't, don't pay the mortgage. Do you know who pays the mortgage? Yeah, we pay the mortgage. It's on us. Okay. All right. We're not going to talk about that. We just did but we're moving on. Okay. We can't stay here. Even though you can look around and say, here's not so bad, we cannot stay here. Like, if we stay here, parking is, is fairly easy. You know, I get a parking spot. If we stay here, you never have to worry about finding a seat. Some Sundays in the summer, you can have your own row. If we stay here, we're only, even if we have a big crowd, we're only half using the seats in this auditorium, gang. Even on a, on a big Sunday, it's about half of the seats in this auditorium. We need, we need 
a Holy Spirit uh, rattling that unsettles any contentment to stay here. We cannot stay here. It is selfish to stay here. We need to be a unified, fired up band of missionaries who love their city so much that they would gladly park at McNaughton in a snowstorm if it meant that someone else was going to accept Jesus. Would you walk from McNaughton in a snowstorm if somebody else was going to find Jesus? David Way will shovel for you in front of you. I mean, forget about sitting in the same seat every Sunday. We need to grow this place to the point where you're not sure if you're going to get a seat on Sunday. And you're okay with that. Would you give up your seat for someone else to find Jesus? Now, if you have to think about that, that's a problem. You're like, well, I, I kind of like my seat. <laughs> finding Jesus is more important than finding a seat. Saving souls is more important than saving a seat. An empty seat is a serious matter, and we want seats on seats because we want more souls in heaven. Every number has a name. Every name has a story, and every story matters to God. Lives are lost for eternity, gang, if we stay here. I can't say it any stronger than that. Lives are lost for eternity if we stay here. Pharaoh wins if we stay here. There are thousands of spiritually lost people in our city and our communities who need a church who will sacrificially love those people to Jesus. We can't be keepers of the aquarium. We are called to be fishers of men and we're sitting in a stocked pond. Just a, a little more gas on that. Pour a little more gas on this, this holy discontent. And, and this, this sermon, I will agree, is not an exegetical masterpiece. I know. I'm going to get to the text in a minute. But this is, this is vision casting, and we'll be okay. We'll get through it. We've been plateaued for 10 plus years as a church. And stuck has never been a goal of Moncton Wesleyan, and it won't be on my watch either. All right? Many churches in Atlanta, Canada wish they were stuck. They're declining like crazy. They're like, oh, just give us stuck. We'd be happy with stuck. And they're going the other way. They're declining like crazy. But that is not our calling. We need to get unstuck because God is calling us to take back territory that the enemy has had for too long. Now remember... The more that they grew, the nation of Israel, the more that they grew, the, the more intense the oppression became. Pharaoh says, we got to do something about that. We can't let those people grow. Growth causes pressure. And gang, we need to decide as a family, as a community, that we are in this together. That we will not be ripped apart by the enemy. And I can tell you up front that if we as a church decide... That's right. We cannot stay here. We have got to go there. We decide this as a church. I can tell you up front that the enemy will, will put massive amounts of pressure on us to keep us from growing anymore. And you'll be tempted to, to hold on tighter to your personal preferences. And, and we cannot let that happen. My personal preferences can never be more important than someone else's salvation. A consumer says, 
give me what I want. I'll put something in the offering, and I might be back next week, depending on the weather. That's what a consumer says. A worshiper says, I am here to give my all to the one who died for me. That's a big, big, big difference. You know, a consumer, a consumer comes to church thinking this better be good. A worshiper comes to church saying, Jesus is good. Jesus is good. God is awesome. And I'm just here to, to give and to serve and to, and to worship him and to, and to love him. Verse 7. Let's uh, put this up on the screen. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so great that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. David Way, you're close to this. You've got 21 grandkids. <laughs> he can almost fill a soccer field with just his family. The, 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 let me read to you the literal Hebrew translation of this text that Moses wrote. As for the Israelites, they grew. They were fruitful, they swarmed, they increased, they got more powerful, more and more, and Moses says, and the land was filled with them. I mean, that is a season of growth, but the growth caused pressure. Let's read verses 10 and 11. Pharaoh, Pharaoh says, we must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. And if we don't, and war breaks out, They'll join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. This is drastic. And Moses writes this as if it's, a, it's a, a flip of the switch. One day you're a shepherd, and the next day, just because, just because Pharaoh decided, you are forced and, and thrusted into extreme, brutal slavery. The enemy's goal was to crush them with the weight of intense, brutal labor. Pharaoh thinks that, that, that his plan will, will crush them. And God takes something that is meant to crush and he turns it into a beautiful growth engine for his glory because we know how the story ends. God allowed them to experience something worse, this, this being forced into brutal slavery. God allowed them to experience something worse on their way to something better. Did you catch that? The promised land is coming, but before they get there, God allowed them to experience something worse before he gave them something better. It's the furnace that produces the finest gold. It's the, it's the press that, that, that creates the purest oil. It's the threshing that separates the wheat from the chaff in our lives. And some of you have hit hard labor on your way to something better. Some of you feel like, Pastor Tim, I'm being pressed and I'm being pushed and I'm being crushed right now to the point that I don't know if I can make it one more day. Look at verse 12. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. Pharaoh's plan was, was to reduce their influence by making them poor and tired, too broke and too poor to have kids, essentially. God's plan for church growth was for people to make babies. Just saying. That's what, amen, I got an amen. This was God's plan, was for people to make babies. Pharaoh, Pharaoh's plan was for them to make bricks. 
God's plan was for them to make babies, all right? I like God's plan better. All right. The enemy's plan was oppression. God's plan was multiplication. The enemy's plan for, for your life and for this church, gang, be real about it. The enemy's plan is, is, is to snuff you out. It's oppression and it's suffocation. But God's plan for your life is multiplication. We're calling this series Game Plan because we as a church are planning to win. We want to be in God's plan for our lives and for our church and for our city. And Exodus teaches us that even if you are under tremendous pressure, you can still thrive. You can still grow. And every time that God takes Israel to a new level, Pharaoh ratchets up the oppression. He takes his oppression to a new level. And some of you have been there and some of you feel like you're there right now. You've been trying to make your decisions. You've been trying to put God first. You've been trying to grow spiritually. And every time you take a step forward, it's like, bam, it's like the enemy is right there trying to push you back and trying to knock you down and trying to, 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 to snuff you out. And God causes growth in our lives, even sometimes when it is unexplainable. How are these people, the nation of Israel, how are they, they're, they're, they're trapped in this brutal hard labor and yet they're still growing. They're growing in spite of everything that Pharaoh is trying to, to do to them. How are they doing this? And so Pharaoh, he says, well, okay, that, that's not working. They're making babies and making bricks at the same time somehow. And so he says, okay, I got I to figure something out here. And so he takes it up a notch and he asks the midwives to discard all the, all the male babies. Every time you see a male baby, get, get, get rid of it. No more, male, no more male babies. But the midwives fear God more than they fear Pharaoh. And so the people of Israel, they, the Pharaoh is thwarted again, and they just keep growing and growing and growing. And so Pharaoh takes it up another notch, and he says, okay, this is, this is out of control. And he orders a genocide of all the male uh, infants, all the male babies, born to, to Israel, and he orders their lives to be taken. He says, every time there's a, I want, I want you to go find all the little boys, and I want you to cast them into the Nile River. And again, somebody needs to hear this this morning, because you feel like your dreams are going down the Nile. You feel like, like your dreams are drowning and devoured, and you don't see how things will change. And Moses' mother takes him as a little boy, and she puts him in a basket, and she sets him adrift on the Nile River. Now, putting your baby in a basket is a bad day. Putting your baby in a basket on the Nile River and just saying goodbye is a bad day. But God was moving in her impossibility, in ways that she could not see. And you, you need to believe today that God sees the baby in the basket. God sees uh, the, the things that, that in your life that just seem out of control. He sees the things this morning that you need to let go of. He hears your prayer this morning. And God lifted Moses out of the river. And God delivered his promise of redemption right into Pharaoh's house. God, God, God arranged it all so that Moses could be lifted out of the river and taken right into Pharaoh's house. God put him in the river, and God pulled him out of the river. 
God is going to put Moses in the people, and then God is going to pull the people out of bondage. God lifted Moses out of the water so that Moses could lift his people out of bondage. God put his only son, Jesus Christ, into our oppression so that Jesus could break our chains, so that Jesus could deliver us from our enemy. And Jesus suffered a bondage that was meant to break him and destroy him, and yet God took the brutality of the cross and used it as our victory. The enemy thought that it would be the end, but God took something that was meant for death, and he brought immeasurable, unstoppable, inexplainable growth out of that. Now we're going to respond this morning with a song that we did at uh, Rising this past Wednesday night, the, the new night of prayer and worship. We did this song. It's called Break Every Chain. And I believe here on the front end of this, this series this morning of uh, talking about us as a church, not staying here, but, but, but following God's plan for our lives and where God wants us to go and where God wants to take us. I believe that, uh, that there are many people here this morning who, who just need to invite the Holy Spirit to come and and break chains in your lives. Maybe it's a chain of believability. Maybe you're just, you just doubt that uh, anything greater than this can happen or that God, what God can do. And you want to pray about that. Maybe you've uh, felt this week or, or lately like your, your, your dreams are going down the Nile. And you're like, you want, to, you want to pray about that. You want to trust God with a situation that you don't have the answers for. Maybe you've been enslaved to something. Maybe there's a pharaoh in your life that has had you enslaved to something for far too long. If you want to pray for that chain to be broken. Maybe you've been enslaved to complacency and you don't want to stay here. Maybe you've been, maybe you just haven't had a, a burden or a passion to reach spiritually lost people with the good news of Jesus Christ. And you're like, God, would you break that in my life? Would you start a, a fresh fire in me to, to see uh, lives transformed with the good news of Jesus Christ? So uh, this morning I invite you, as we almost always do, but I invite you to come as we sing and, um, and, and just find a place of prayer here at the front of the church. Uh, we're responding to God's word, we're responding to the Holy Spirit who is here, we're responding to Jesus Christ who is calling this church, calling this church to, to, to greater things, to reach the lost all around us. Let's stand together, let me pray for us, and we'll worship and respond. Lord, Lord Jesus, I thank you this morning that, that you are here. God, we've invited your Holy Spirit, your presence is here. God, as I, as I said earlier, would you come and, and rattle? Would you, would you shake us up this morning, Lord? Would you come and, and unsettle our settledness, that we would not be comfortable, that we as a church would, would see um, that, that we can't stay here. We've, there's so much more, Lord, that you want to do in us and through us. Lord, just uh, be with us now as we respond to you. With open hearts, I pray and ask these things together in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen.